I have a dream where I can drive through rural Wisconsin without being profiled. Coming to you live from the Kosher Studios in Woodridge, Illinois, this is Behind the Destruction, the Demolition Derby podcast. And now your hosts, Chris Neumer and Steve Kersky Jr., Welcome to Behind the Destruction. This is episode number five, Behind the Destruction, for the week of June 3rd, 2012. I'm Chris Neumer. With me, as always, 2011 national champion demo driver and the man who turned Chris Brown into a verb, Steve Gursky Jr. That's me. On the other side of the glass, our engineer, Maura Shear. Our guest this week is Tori Schutte, the man responsible for Metal Mayhem, WeCrash.com, and the Demolition Derby Drivers Association. Metal Mayhem is taking place in Pecatonica, Illinois, on June 8th, 9th, and 10th. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Driven Restorations. The first step to driving your dream? Contacting Driven Restorations at 608-609-5041. We're talking about, uh, we're talking about this. I know you've mentioned this a number of times that you're curious about it. NASCAR drivers getting dropped into demo cars. Yeah, I don't know. I mean. This is like one of the great what ifs what of ifs. the auto racing things. So I'll pose it to you. Uh, let's start with County Fair. You drop demo. You drop uh, NASCAR drivers into into a County Fair situation. How do they hold up? Gosh, I don't know. I mean, you get past all the legal stuff, you yeah. know, because the, the teams wouldn't allow. Well, okay. Our hypothetical lawyers have hypothetically worked overtime, and that hypothetical oh, okay, situation great. is hypothetically taken care. All of. All right. So, to me, I, I suppose the NASCAR drivers would probably be the biggest sandbaggers there are. Maybe just driving around doing left turns the whole time while everyone's trying to hit them. That's probably about all. I just, I mean, I just can't picture uh, having like a metal mayhem or something like that and having uh, Jeff Gordon, you know, running a, a, a 73 Impala or something. And I just, I can't picture that. I don't think he'd fare so well. You know, I think the, the county fair guys or the backup derby guys would just tear him apart. Certainly, if it was Jeff Gordon, I'm sure a number of people would go after him. <laughs> yeah. The Rainbow Warrior. Yeah. Uh, so you, uh, do you think it would be hard to adjust to going more slowly? Like, it's like, go, 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 go with NASCAR, and then all of a sudden, hey, maybe fastest isn't always the best? Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Be, I think for them, it would be a huge adjustment for them. I mean, they've been trying to avoid wrecks. Now they have to basically cause them you know they might get up to 30 miles an hour in a in a backup derby you know depending on how big the, the arena is but you know i did I, I just i guess it depends on uh what driver it is you know if you were to, to throw one into a team demolition i think it'd be harder for them i mean these guys have so much seat time in cars going around counterclockwise okay now they have to get in a car you know, and go around clockwise, plus the race is only going to be five to ten minutes long. 
Bill. Oh, and uh, that guy's front end might be in your elbow. Yeah, you might get hit in the door. You know, it's just weird things like that. I don't think they, they could hold up in either or. I really don't. Hmm. Now, do you think there's anything to the fact that uh, professional drivers are professional drivers because they can adjust or adapt? You know, maybe. Um, I think they're professional drivers. Well, I mean, this is kind of some people would argue that, you know, they were kind of just put in the cars because, you know, their parents were rich and this and that. But um, I just I just don't see them being able to go around NASCAR tracks and then throw them into a pit with a bunch of, you know, backup derby guys or throw them into a TDA and then be able to last. I just don't think they're, you know, they can adapt all they want. I just don't think they could. Let's say Jeff Gordon shows up, you know, to, uh, you know, the Oakey County Fair, you know, and you tell him, hey, Jeff, you're getting in that car right there, and you're mm-hmm. going to go run into people. Yep. And he's going to look at that thing and go, well, where's my roll cage? You know, where, where's my harness? Where's this? Where's that? I'm not getting in that thing. Where, where's the milk I can throw around after I, wait, what? There's no, <laughs> yeah. the prize money is what? Yeah. You know, I mean, NASCAR guys getting in into, I mean, even if they wanted to, you know, I think they can be aggressive. You see what happens when they get in wrecks on the track. They get, you know, one guy bumps another guy, he spins out, and they get all pissed off at each other and want to fight. You know, I just yeah. don't, they don't want to wreck, you know. That would actually be kind of funny. Uh, forget the fact that it's like, you know, driving the opposite way or whatever. But uh, is there a, a knowledge to how to crash? Like, you know, the default setting is, like, for drivers, it's like, I want to put my front end into his, you know, front quarter panel, or I want to drive this into his engine, something like that. Whereas in NASCAR, it's like, I'm going to bump his back end just a little bit. I'm just going to give a little kiss there. Oh, oh, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, aggressiveness, there's, you know, they, you can be aggressive on a NASCAR track. I think it's totally different. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it'd be, it'd be great to get someone to try it. You know, maybe, you know, we could check that for the next, next, uh, uh, show is to find out if if any of these fancy so pants you, guys. Have, so uh, you think you want to be a demo driver? Yeah, there you go. I mean, I just you know, I mean, I know Robbie Gordon kind of messes around. He does. He did indie. He does that Traxxas. He does. Yeah, he does all some kind, off-roading yeah, stuff. He does all that. You know, be, give him a call. Say, hey, we got an old pig on a team. You know, you want to try something new? Give it a shot. You know, I just think they'd be really surprised when they look at the car and go, I have to do what with that with just a lap belt you know some guys run harnesses but most of them don't yeah you know i think uh that right there for those nascar guys they would really back out in in that uh you know lack of safety equipment well there was a story i remember hearing about i I wasn't there for it but there was a race in uh this was for the team demos they were going to have an exhibition race against i guess some european drivers it was like a world championship that Jan Gabriel set up. Um, are you talking about for, I think it was 2004 is when they did it. Or it maybe... was something, yeah, it was a while ago, like so far back that I wasn't really involved in it at all. And all I remember them saying is that the European drivers actually ended up backing out. Some of them did. I Some think of, the... They saw what it was and were like, oh, God, I'm not doing that. Yeah, it was pretty much, you know, it was uh, different derby guys from, I think that was... Um, Gosh, I can't remember. It was so long ago, Australia or something like that, and and one of the teams, the guys actually said, "Yeah, we're not doing this." Yeah, you know, this was in response to my uh, like because every once in a while I throw out suggestions for like what you can do to make the uh, 
a demolition derby better, much like our, our guest uh, Sarah Stone occasionally does. And my thought was to get like a an all French team that was was out there, and it was basically somebody's like, "Oh, you mean like uh, that character in uh, Talladega Nights?" And I'm like. Yeah, okay, they took my idea. That's true. That would be a lot better. But I was like, yeah, you know, you want some guys from Europe or some other, you know, country that we're not really that friendly with that, you know, people could really learn to hate. And somebody said, well, actually, it's funny you mentioned that we had these European drivers, but they didn't even want to race. And I was like, oh, boy, well, so much for that idea. Yeah, the lack of safety equipment, I think, is what their problem was. But, you know, we should get some of the Taliban. Get them over here. Yeah, Team Taliban. That could work, maybe. I, I still think my my best idea was the, uh, and nobody has applied this in the world of Demolition Derby that I can think of. You know, sometimes you name your team something, you name your car something, or, uh, you know, like the, the Deckers have the, uh, you know, Team Decker thing. No matter where they go, it's like they're part of this team because that's the family name. Uh, I thought it would be fantastic to, like, uh, pick a name for your team or your car that was so underwhelming that people would misjudge you or think, oh, we don't need to worry about them uh, just because the team name was so bad. And the team I came up with was Team Friendship. Like nobody who goes out in races in a demolition derby race against anything involving Team Friendship will ever think, oh, God, I got to worry about those guys. Like nobody says, I got to worry about those punks on Team Friendship. Yeah, see – at Santa Fe Speedway, where they used to do team demolition, there was a team. Oh man, I can't. Even, I just drawn a blank now. Something maybe it was the Sunshine, or something. I don't know. But yeah, it, you're getting closer. Yeah, it's all the paint fumes. Sorry. Um, it, it's just one of those. It was very underwhelming. Yeah. Um, very like sissy that. is what it was, I guess. But yeah, That's... team friendship. Hey, buddy, don't hit me. Yeah, well, let's be friends. Yeah, and that would be that. That would be like the calling card. Is it's like, uh, you know, you could sort of steal a theme song from uh, Barney or, or Teletubbies and be like, "You hit me, I still love you." Oh, <laughs> see, I think that would that would just draw more attention to you. I well, I <laughs> think that like there's a psycholo- the water. I think that there's a psychological edge to that that just isn't around for other things. Like uh, in the old Boston Garden where the uh, Celtics used to play, uh, they painted the visitors' locker room pink, and this was really I think it was Red Auerbach's idea. And he was he was like it, it wasn't uh, necessarily it's like, like to diffuse their aggression. Yes, to diffuse their aggression. And I always thought that that was great that you painted the visitors' locker room pink. And I was saying. I think the same thing's true that, you know, if you have a all pink car with like a bumblebee on the hood or something like that, you know. How about an all pink car with a with a pink pink pants around the side? Well, that. Uh, the junkyard dog still hit us really hard. That was 2008 with Havoc. We decided when to you, paint them pink. I still did love how you guys ended up deciding to go with pink cars, though. Yeah, that was one of those deals where. Uh, the team owner at the time wanted to put flames on the cars, paint them blue, mm-hmm. the safety blue, mm-hmm. and put flames. And Jason Rotaco says, I don't. Your teammate. Yeah, the teammate at the time says, I do not want these gay flames on this car. And that's, a, you know, if I could quote him. Yeah. And I'd rather have if the, these cars pink than with the flames. So the team owner said, sure, fine, that's it. They're pink then. That's how it came to be. So that's we, why I love the story. And well, I think by the third night we changed back to blue, and we actually raced uh, two blue cars, a yellow car, and a pink car that night. So 
Mm-hmm. Team friendship. Team friendship. You guys all got along. <laughs> you know, I let me ask you this, just bringing it back to the, uh, I happen to think about this, bringing it back to the, uh, like, either NASCAR drivers or other drivers uh, driving in the demos. Say Danica Patrick or one of the other more notable female, attractive female drivers from the other mm-hmm. world drops yes. into... Danica Patrick. Danica Patrick, yes. yes. Steve, do not... Hey, Steve, over here. Sorry. Okay. Uh, Suppose you put her on one of the teams. Is she an instant, uh, is she an instant, like, red flag to a bull? Everybody's going after her? Or is it the exact opposite of whatever a red flag is to a bull, where it's like nobody wants to go up to her and just hit her? Because it's like after the race, it's like, um, hey, yeah, can you believe I missed you by that much? Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. So, like, would some people go easy on her because she's like, I see, I think that's probably 50-50 because there's going to be some people that, you know, some some guys that are going to just go hard on her. Um, yeah, probably so they could explain <laughs> how. Yeah. But, you oh, know, no. Oh, Steve, I remember no, 2014 yeah. when Danica Patrick raced. Oh, man, I gave it to her ass and uh, so hard and uh but no, oh, I mean it's you know you you're gonna have. I think there'd be some some guys that would go right after, and and there'd be some that would probably just say you know we'll stay away, and and then she'd probably run laps around them. But yeah. who knows? But you know it's, it's it's no different than I guess a non-attractive rookie male driver being on a team. It seems like people kind well, of leave that guy alone and go after the guys who yeah, have experience. Yeah, because I want to date the non attractive Wait a minute. Yeah, see, you're looking at the wrong stuff for me. I got to go back online. Oh, boy, this is – I think that not, I think the non-attractive rookie male driver may have just emailed me on Match.com. There you go. He's still available. Yeah, go figure. I, that is – okay, now I'm, now I'm trying to think about it, yeah. But now – okay, so – is is dropping Danica Patrick and Jeff Gordon and Rob, well we'll we'll leave Robbie Gordon out of it for now because he actually might but uh, is dropping Danica Patrick and Jeff Gordon into the demo world is that akin to having like a basketball player like Dwight Howard play a different position in basketball or is that like having Dwight Howard try to play tennis? I think it'd be closer to having him play like football. Well, you know I'm saying, I mean? like, but is it a is it a, it's a, is it a it's, different sport or is it sort of a different position within the same? sport i mean if you were to take it and if if for team demo aspect if we weren't hitting each other and we were just you know the totally different kind of cars on yeah. you know clay wet down clay track then i'd say it'd be like putting putting them in a different position but okay. with them basically having to dodge other cars and get hit by other cars or hit cars it's like putting them in a different sport because it's a totally different mindset. You know, they can concentrate and go around a track at 170 miles an hour, mm-hmm. you know, and don't have to worry about another guy coming straight at them, you know. So I think it totally takes them out of their comfort zone of racing, of, of car racing, you know. It, so to me, it would be like taking Dwight Howard, from, who plays basketball, and putting him in, say, here, you got to play football now. So not only are you, you big, you big and strong. Howard playing tennis? No, because I'm what I'm saying is now with football, people are hitting them. Yeah, you know they're not just boxing them out; they're tackling them and hitting them. You know that that's where I put the you know to compare the two. Now this is this is certainly not where you were going, but now I'm wondering about it. Suppose you had a team of four professional basketball players, not even in cars, just on the track running around, and then you had a team of four cars driving you know like four demo drivers how far do you think an in like how far do you think dwight howard could do 
without a car on a track trying to pick up real estate in a demolition derby. What's his goal? Make laps on foot? Yeah, to make laps on foot. I'm pretty sure you get run over right on the line. Suppose he gets out of the line. Suppose he gets off the line there. He'd hit the. He'd get the death blow in turn two. Turn two right away. Yep. No, no way to avoid it. Uh, he'd well, he hide, could hide behind, behind the, the tire. tire. Yeah, he certainly <laughs> would do that. I think the tires would come into play. Yeah. Okay, well, then it definitely between one and two. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but uh, I think the teams would go after him on the track a little more than they might go after Danica Patrick in a car. Yeah, I'd probably stop and pick her up. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, what's what are you? What's a nice girl like? Then just somebody just blindsides you. Yeah. Oh boy. I don't know. So what are you trying to say? Dwight Howard's not attractive, or no, no. I'm glad you saw where I was going with that one. (laughs) Oh, I think most of our listening audience might not even know who Dwight Howard is. So Mm -hmm. I'm debating about that. You know, it's funny that there was a a promo made somewhat recently for uh, one demolition derby league that shall remain nameless. And uh, there were so many copyright violations in this promotional video that was made. Uh, There were two music copyright infringements. Uh, There was a unauthorized use of a celebrity's voice. There was the celebrity's voice was reading uh, something that was copyrighted to uh, a third party. And uh, it was funny, though, because uh, the copyright violations were mostly for Mac computers, Apple computers. And I realized that the number of people who are familiar with uh, Apple computers and the Demolition Derby, that is not a cross-section of people. That that, that cross-section is not very large. Is there? Can you think of anything that would have a smaller cross-section of followers than Apple Computers and the Demolition Derby. I mean, it'd be like bass fishing tournament and, you know... Organic grapes? Yeah. There was a time... Concourse grapes. There was a... Oh, my God. You know, it's like... I know you and a lot of the guys that uh, race the demos like to make fun of me because I do live in the city and I do have uh, I do you have a Mac. You go for jogs. I, I, I go for jogs. I drive a German car. Well, there was a time no, where... you don't drive a German car. You drive a Volkswagen Rabbit. That doesn't even... <laughs> it's not even German. It's gay. So, as I said, I, I do take a lot of... Uh, I, I do take a lot of shit for, for driving the German car. Some people derisively even call it a Jetta. Some. I don't know. I, th- I thought but, I'd seen a little gay rabbit on it or something. <laughs> but uh, it's it, it was the type of thing. I was recently driving back from New York City, and uh, I stopped at a gas station in rural Ohio. And as I pulled into the, uh, as I pulled into the pump... It was me, there were four pickups in a Pontiac Grand Am where there was uh, probably like a 22-year-old woman in the front seat with like a couple of kids in the back. And she said she was waiting for her uh, her boyfriend to get off working as the cashier in the gas station. I just looked around and a couple of the guys in the pickups had just gotten back from uh, hunting because they were wearing their full coverall camouflage things or bright orange uh suits blaze orange yeah would be and a couple of other guys had just gotten dwellers. off uh a couple a couple of the other guys had just gotten off of work at, uh i'm assuming a construction site based upon their footwear and jeans and were like uh they were dipping and and spitting into an empty mountain dew bottle and that's which is actually true so they're they're like you know 
Real men is what you're saying. Real men. Real men. And so here I come up, and I'm listening to like a British podcast with Swedish Ugh. dance music pumping, and I throw on my Birkenstock sandals, and I hide my Mac laptop, and I'm looking for a place to recycle the bo- the plastic box that my organic grapes did, in fact, come in. <laughs> oh, And Christ. I'm just like, my God, the worlds have collided here. What is going on? I was like, I have never felt less like a man than this. So who who untied you from the fence they tied you to is my question. It wasn't a fence. It was a flagpole. And once my <laughs> underwear broke, I came oh, all the oh. way down. But it was, yeah. I, I really, you know, and the thing was, I, I thought about the opening scene of the movie T2 where, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger walks into that, like, biker bar. And I, I was half tempted to walk over to one of the guys who had just gotten done uh, working and be like, Give me your clothes. <laughs> but I was like, no, I'm getting my ass kicked for sure. Yeah. We're just going to eyes forward. We're going to keep everything. Everything's on the up and up. We're good here. And uh, I was just like, wow, if this was in a movie, you wouldn't believe it. It's like, you know, even in a Rob Schneider movie, this would feel completely and totally out of place. Well, you even got, uh, what, last summer, I think it was, you came out here and you got pulled over in Fox Lake. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, you're talking about your little german car with your illinois plates and the guy sees you he pulls you over yep you just he was profiling it was this guy does not belong around here nope i gotta tell you the world of the college educated upper middle class white male will just never catch a break one of these days we're gonna get it one of these days keep putting you down yeah well until later oh my god something to look forward to i have a dream I have a dream where I can drive through rural Wisconsin without being profiled. Well, they were looking for the guy with the sandals and khaki shorts is what they're looking for. Yep, that's me. Oh, thank God I didn't have my Ed Hardy baseball hat on then. Oh, Oh, that would have just been bad all the way around. All right, we'll be right back after this recording shooting. Riven Restorations, a family-owned and operated full-service auto restoration shop, which is located in Randolph, Wisconsin. Whether it's a full frame-off restoration or just a detailed cleaning for the upcoming show season, bring your collector car or truck in to Driven Restorations. You can follow us on Twitter at Driven Resto, that's D-R-I-V-E-N-R-E-S-T-O. Facebook or our website, DrivenRestorations.com. Driven Restorations will help you drive your dream. Welcome back. I'm Chris Newmer, and I'm sitting here with Demolition Derby legend. Is it legend or God? <laughs> I don't know about either of those. Uh, Tori Shooty. I'm taking a page from Eric Carmen for this interview and doing it all by myself. If Midwestern Demos had a really cool uncle who effortlessly seemed to channel George Clooney, that man is former demo driver Tori Shooty. You know the demo site WeCrash.com? Shooty's baby. You know the Demolition Derby Drivers Association? Shooty's baby. Shooty's currently eyeballs deep running the largest demolition derby event in the world, Metal Mayhem, taking place on June 8th, 9th, and 10th in Pecatonica, Illinois. How you doing, Tori? Very good. Very good, Chris. Good. So, largest demo event anywhere? It is the national championship of the entire nation world. There's not a bigger demolition derby. More cars destroyed, more people attending, higher payout than anywhere around. We, we have all the top Top of everything, that it's. I saw on. Uh, I saw on your site uh, the Super Bowl of demo derby events. The best way we can describe it is it's a Super Bowl. The Daytona 500 and Woodstock all rolled into one for the sport of demolition derby. Wow! 
Now, how many people are you expecting this year to attend? Uh, we're hoping to get about five or 6,000 per day. Wow. And what is it like? Uh, I mean, obviously, this is, uh, I know you didn't start the Metal Mayhem event, but I know you've sort of uh, championed it and massaged it over the last four or five years to make it this what it is today. Uh, what is it about this? How do you attract the top drivers to this event? Well, Metal Mayhem was started by Charlie Preen. I'd like to give him his due uh, you know, recognition. He started off with Metal Mayhem, but um, through some, some different business practices of his, he's, he's kind of fallen by the wayside, and he canceled Metal Mayhem a few years back right before the event. And uh, me and a group of people decided, you know what, this this is too important to Demolition Derby. Metal Mayhem's always been the national championship show. So we came in, and with three weeks ago, we put on the show, didn't charge any entry fees, and paid the entire purse and, and saved the show. And uh, he kind of threw it away, and I picked it out of the trash can and polished it up. The reason we attract the top drivers is they know they're going to get the fairest playing field in the nation. We put the cars up on lifts. We inspect them underneath. We pay the purse that we say we're going to pay, and we treat the drivers right. Yeah, you mentioned the high purse. I know I know how important the cash is to the demo drivers, and it's like I think that high purse, you're there. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, one two years ago we paid over 75000 and last year it was right there as well. This year we're hoping with a decent fan attendance we can up the purse. Uh, unlike a lot of different uh, promoters that advertise and pay the purse, we advertise a purse, and then we usually try to add to it. Just at our Spring Explosion show alone, we added five or $6,000 to the purse in order to keep ba- giving back to the drivers. If we get a good crowd, we're, we're not greedy. We have our daytime jobs, and uh, we try to give everything we can back to the drivers, and that's what keeps the best drivers coming back. Now, do you have any uh, drivers that come from, like, comically far places, like anybody from Sweden or... uh... You know, it's funny you should ask. I'm just actually doing the list and and getting it all ready to go. I've got uh, three drivers from Ontario, Canada coming down. I've got uh, 13 or 14 people coming from California. i got Arkansas, Colorado, Illinois, of course, Indiana, Kansas, Michigan, Minnesota, Missouri, Ohio, Pennsylvania... All over, all over the nation, and they're all coming to Pecatonic, Illinois, to hmm. watch the, the national champion be crowned. Now, I, I, I was thinking about this when I asked that last question. I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, movie Cannonball Run, how they have different people from all different parts of the globe that come together. Uh, are the styles of driving, uh, the demo driving represented, are they basically uniform, or is it something where there is, in fact, like a Japanese team that has like a super technologically advanced demo car versus another team that works with something else i don't know that the driving styles are that much different there's a lot of states like the california guys like to drive hard the guys from pennsylvania do too so there's you know there's hard driving and soft driving but uh the big difference comes in their style of their build you know the kansas guys can build some really tough buick and oldsmobiles california guys drive a lot of old mercury's 62 63 mercury's you know, the wagon's still everybody's favorite nationwide. But there's just a lot of different styles of build that come around, and that kind of t- caters to your driving style. Ohio you know, favors the Crown Vicks. So you got a, a lot of different build styles, which really changes your driving style because you got to use a car appropriately. So what do you attribute that to? Like you mentioned that there were a lot of Mercury's in California. Like why, why that uh, versus the Chrysler's of Kansas? Uh, I just think that California's got a lot of old cars and a lot of rust-free cars, okay. and those old cars are great. But you put a little bit of rust on a on a Suicide Lincoln or an old Mercury or a Galaxy, a Ford Galaxy, you put a little bit of rust on those cars, they're not the same car here in the Midwest. So the California guys are very fortunate and get some of the most beautiful rust-free cars you could imagine. Now there's a lot of newer cars in Ohio, and, and they've kind of transformed over into a, a Crown Victoria build with, with newer cars as, 
I got a, a 2009 coming to Metal Mayhem, so they figured out how to build these newer Crown Vicks, and uh, it, it's just what what's local style is. Do you, like, are there any drivers or any teams of drivers that are coming that you know it's like they're the loophole finders? It's like if there's a rule in the, like, there was a guy who was a NASCAR crew chief in the 60s and 70s, and I can't remember his name, but I love the stories about him because he would find a way to do everything. Like when they... When they limited the amount of fuel that they could put in the tank, he created an 11-foot-long uh, fuel line that was about 7 inches wide so that he could put an extra, you know, 5, 6 gallons of fuel in the fuel line. I was like, that's amazing. That's fantastic. I love those car-building stories. Are there any guys coming to the Metal Mayhem? It's like, oh, we're prepared for whatever they've got to come up. You know, in the old iron, um, old iron Metal Mayhem class cars, out of the 75 drivers, you just described about 70 of them. Mm-hmm. They they all work every single angle. They all do stretch that six-inch weld to a, to a seven-inch. They uh, put a little extra bolt, a little wire here. And it's not, you know, just out-and-out out plating or cheating, but it's just stretching everything they can. So, yeah, about 75 uh, drivers pre-registered and 70 of them are exactly what you described, trying to use every loophole and get yeah. get their cars just a little harder for one more hit. Are there are there any examples of years past that you look at and think that was a really good way to get around that loophole? I would not have thought of that. Just sort of touche, sir. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, just the floorboards in some of these cars. I never thought that a floorboard would make as big a difference as it is. And we put in our rules that you could, you know, patch your floorboard and in order to mount your battery and other accessories. Well, these guys figured out if they made their floorboards very hard, the car would get harder. And I mean. Who, who in a million years would have thought that? But what were they patching the floorboards with? Uh, just heavy gauge sheet metal, but then many layers thick, hmm. and, it, and it really makes a difference in in how the car is able to bend and twist. You know, and so every year we we make changes to our rules, we clarify our rules, and now you can't weld your floorboards in; you have to bolt or or sheet metal or pop rivet them in, and it's just that type of stuff. Every time you think that it's something that doesn't matter, it matters. No, that is true. If there's one thing that I've learned with my experience in the demos, it's that everything matters. It's like, and um, I remember uh, one of the old sages told me that uh, every wire can make your car not go. So you have to focus on every wire. And it's like, well, that is true when you put it like that. And but I love those stories, the floorboard stories, the stuff like that. It's, uh, you know, I know a uh, 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 like. Uh, a while back, at least in the team demo situation where uh, the drivers were allowed to put their batteries in boxes and the boxes, you know, started out as boxes and then became sort of 300 pound enormous contraptions that were like, well, we might have to, we might have to roll that. And every time I hear that, I always think the same thing. If the audiences knew about the crazy, crazy builds that were going on, they would care just that much more about the demos. You talk about those big boxes and you couldn't be more right. We actually have in our rules, a a rule that says no coffins because the guys were literally building an entire coffin sized box to put their gas tank, their their trans or their trans uh, cooler um, fuel tank. They put it all in one big box and, and you know, yeah. mount it down in the back seat and then bolt it down in through your frame a few different spots and it makes a big difference. No, uh, it we actually have a does. rule in our rules that say no coffins. Hmm. Have there been um, any other things just because I find it entertaining that you can think of that were uh, really crafty get arounds uh, like that? Uh, same same type of stuff, you know. In the old Chrysler cars, these guys were, you know. I'm just bolting my seat down, but it happened to go down through the the subframe in their car. Um, different battery boxes and gas tanks in the back that just happened to be in a certain spot where the frame's going to kick up and roll into them. 
You know, it's it's no longer a, a a gas tank when it's a frame straightener, as I say. Um, another great example is the the Oldsmobiles and Buicks. We always allow the guys to plate the the rear pillars because if they come free, they could actually come in and hit the guys in the head. Yeah. So the guys have figured out that if they can plate that rear pillar, they go actually go out find a rust free car. But underneath of that ca- that vinyl top on the Oldsmobiles and Buicks, they're always rusted out there, so they have to patch them. So they find a car that they can patch that, and you would not believe how much that patch in that pillar helps their car out. When everything's rolled in and everything's crunched up, that last little bit helps out. And it's a way that they took a, a safety rule that we do and make their car a little harder. And you know what? I, some of that stuff we give them props for, and we we don't change our rules. It's like, you know, if you found that little niche that's going to help make your car a little better, then, then go for it. Yeah, you know, I I say I always say this jokingly, but I'm sure that if somebody out there had enough money, that they would try, they would figure out a way to get a depleted uranium bumper made, something like that, anything. Just get that in there, get some kind of metal that's there that's just you know harder than anything, and go. And it's like, and I can I can see the promoters; they're gonna the next year they're gonna be like, can you believe that we're gonna have to put in something that says you can't use depleted uranium? And it's just gonna be, yeah, that's that's awful. I agree. I always said if I won the lottery, I'd be having a titanium frame wagon (laughs) just for me. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. Now, one of the things, you know, um, my uh, my co-host Steve and I, we often talk about the team demo stories. And uh, uh, this is one of the facts that I find most interesting is there is a legally blind demolition derby driver who currently races in the TDA down in Joliet. And I think that's such a fantastic story. I mean, he's legally blind. He cannot drive a car on the streets. Um, he can see more than you expect, but nonetheless, the point is he's legally blind. Are there any drivers coming to Metal Mayhem? It's like, this guy's got a good story, like, in that sense? I No, I don't know that we have anybody that's legally blind out there. That just blows me away. That's an amazing story. Um, but we have plenty of guys with, with disabilities, you know, having, you know, some... I don't know about any peg legs or anything like that, but <laughs> there's plenty of guys that have worked through adversity, and it's amazing that they can even climb in a derby car. Some of them are so old, it's it's I can't believe their bodies can take it anymore. Uh, now, when you say so old, uh, are we talking 80s? Are we talking 60s? I have I have some drivers in their 60s, well into their 60s, that hmm. still drive and race. Wow. I don't know. I, I would assume that, like, I would hope that by then I would know better. Like, if if I don't know better by, I guess, age 55, then it's like just game on. I turn 42 here next week, and uh, I don't know any better. I still try to get behind the wheel every You got 13 years. You got 13 years. <laughs> on you. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Garrett Vanderbilt, Big Kahuna, because the stories that I always hear from people who know him or him when they, he or Joe Snow go to these uh, you know, county fair-style derbies, uh, the guys always say the same thing, which is you guys are crazy to race these team demos. Oh, absolutely. I've actually derbied against Joe Snow, and he, he hit me unbelievably hard through my bumper over the top of my car um as a matter of fact the team derby we were talking about big kahuna got into my business partner david guard he's my partner in derby icons and his son happened to be on the track that day and he hit uh jeremy guard so hard he knocked him silly didn't know where he was he's all fine now but he was he was pretty banged up and i tell you what for for a big guy like big kahuna he, he felt so horrible about it i mean they want to hit hard but they don't definitely don't want to hurt anybody but no yeah they uh they're, they're pretty feared on the derby track no matter what track they're on hmm. and it's it's funny you mentioned that because uh kahuna is known in the team demo world as somebody who avoids being hit as a runner so i mean that that's his skill he avoids being hit so it's always funny <laughs> maybe to hear. decided to flip the script that day <laughs> yeah now, you have been doing the Metal Mayhem for, you know, five five years, six years? This will be our 
bit dear. Okay. Um, have there been any changes that you've seen in the demolition derby world over the time that you've been doing it or even last 10, 15 years? Just a lot of different technologies come into it. You know, the WeCrash.com sites really got a lot of people from being a rookie derbier to very competitive instantly. And it's a lot to do with the equipment, a lot of tranny protectors, a lot of distributor protectors, slip shafts, high, you know, high horsepower, but stay running cool motors, you know, to the different various motor builders. There's just a lot of technology that's come into the sport that's, it's it's unbelievable the type of horsepower that you're going to see on the track nowadays compared yes. to what you did just a few years ago. Yeah, and it seems like, uh, at least from my own knowledge, that that happened somewhere like 03 to 05, somewhere in that time period, like was the epicenter of the increasing horsepower? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Right at, right about mid-05, that's when all the engines started coming out and a lot of different builders you know, really got a lot of things figured out, and it, it kind of blew up from there for sure. Do you think that uh, there's any chance that you're going to see sort of uh, a cycling back to smaller horsepower engines? Uh, I think the the metal mayhem type quality shows are always going to have those horsepower. The guys want to hear it in the stands. Um, so it's a real crowd pleaser. But we have started doing some some bone stock classes where we mm -hmm. actually, we don't limit your horsepower, but we just say if you're going to run your motor and you win the show, you have to be willing to sell it to $500 to the to the second or third place guy. So wow. you're very limited in, in, in with that claimer rule to how much horsepower you're going to be able to run. And we only do that in the bone stock divisions just so that the guys that are just starting out don't have to go and spend thirty five, four thousand dollars $4,000 to get started. Is that uh, claimer rule that you mentioned, is that something that you instituted or is that sort of a longstanding demo practice? No, it's not a longstanding. It's never been used in demolition derby before. It was a circle track thing that they used way back in the day, and I just adapted that and put it in our rules. It kind of took a lot of people and and shocked them to say the least but there was a lot of guys that said hey that old greasy motor laying in my garage i can finally put it back to use because it it can compete mm -hmm. you know it's not going to compete against a five thousand dollar engine but i can go out there and i know old smoky will run hot and long and so that it's perfect for those type of classes and and you can definitely hear the difference in their in their you know exhaust engine noise out there when you hear the bone stock cars compared to the the metal mayhem type cars hmm. and it's there's no problem in selling it for 500 bucks well see if they don't sell it for 500 dollars, they forfeit their thousand dollar winning so it's a 1500 dollars swing for that driver and everybody transfers up hmm. so it, so far it's never been a problem all the cars that ran are have been very stock type builds and any one of those drivers that won and would have gladly sold them for $500, I have two or three that I would sell for $500 in a heartbeat. Hmm. Now, you know, you mentioned uh, just a few minutes ago about how uh, Big Kuna knocked uh, Jeremy Gard a little bit silly. Um, you know, in the last probably year, uh, concussion issues have really, like, become paramount in Major League Baseball and basketball as well as football. I mean, it's sort of a, been a little longer for football, but... Um, you know, I was I was just thinking about it in regards to the demolition derby, uh, about dealing with concussions and issues like that. Um, and I know you also were talking about medical staff on 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 site. Uh, is the have you noticed a, a big change in the way that people are approaching the on site medical conditions that may occur? Uh, I I haven't really seen a big change in that. I mean, concussions are, of course, everybody's concerned, but it's not been a huge problem in Demolition Derby with our helmets and stuff, and people pat them up pretty good. And, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, between the water on the track and the mud on the track and limiting the size of your arena, you really can control your how big your collisions you're going to get out there. Um, 
I know a lot of other places only, you know, will have an EMT on site. I always keep two ambulances on site for my demolition derbies just because I, I don't want anybody to ever get hurt. But if they do, I want to get them out of there Make as fast sure that, as yeah. possible. One of the other things that I always find interesting about the demolition derby, just sort of as an outsider coming in, is how infrequent injuries actually are. I mean, yes, people get hurt. Yes, they're sore. But, you know, in a sport where you have violent collisions between cars that have been designed to take out the other car, you'd figure that there would be a lot more broken bones, a lot more people getting hurt in that. And it's just, it doesn't happen. And as people explain to me, you know, we, we build the cars so that the cars take the damage. And it's, I'm, it's one of those things where it's like, you shouldn't expect there to be more injuries in major league baseball than in the demolition derby, but it seems like maybe that's the case. I mean, there's plenty of, of injuries and cuts and bruises, but a lot of them actually happen at the shops. I mean, my buddy yeah. just about had a car fall on him last week, you know. So there's a lot of injuries that happen in the shop, but actually in the demolition derby, it's a pretty safe environment. You know, you're box caged into there. You're strapped in. You got your helmet on. You're ready for an accident, and and it's it's amazing how safe it is. I mean, I've been derbying since 96, and just this last fall was the first time I've ever gotten hurt in a derby car, and I was fine. I didn't have to go to the hospital. It just tweaked my back pretty hard. Hmm. Well, yeah, you better find some wood very quickly and start knocking on that. But no, I, yeah, but no, that is true. I mean, it's when you have a sport that's designed, uh, it's as violent a sport as it is. And, but then all the safety things are worked in. It just kind of strikes me as interesting. Now, one thing I've wondered about, like when, um, you know, I, as I mentioned to you, I first got into the demolition derby world when I wrote a book about it. And, uh, one of the things that when I told my friends about this, they said, oh, that's out in the country. That's got to be out in the country. And I realized that sort of urban like frat boys have not yet descended upon the demolition derby. And I'm wondering, do you think that there's a uh, a future or a, a, a positive impact that bringing people like city, like urban dwelling people in the city uh, into the demolition wor derby world would be a positive for the sport? Uh, I don't know that that's ever going to happen. I mean, everybody in the urban cities now sitting around playing video games and to get them out to the garage and actually do some work is getting more and more difficult. But there's plenty of young guns that are coming into the sport. Um, I don't know about frat boys, but I got a lot of young competitors that compete. We have tons of what we call future icons, and it's 15 to 21-year-old kids that come out and they – they compete. They they are doing it. And you know what? If if nothing else ever comes out of that future icon class, except for getting kids out there spending time in the garage with their dads, then then it was a successful class, in my opinion. Going forward, so people want to come. They want to see Metal Mayhem. They're out in uh, Pecatonica. Uh, are there drivers that you want to call attention to, or stories that you want to bring up? Like focus on this. This is an interesting thing. Anything like that? Uh, there's just a lot of. There's a ton of big names I could spend an hour mentioning all the big names in the sport, but um, some that you always want to keep your eye on is EPR cars. I talked to you about that earlier, and uh, Adam and, and Craig Leminger. Those guys are always going to hold it to the floor and try to put on the best show they can. We got a repeating champ coming back, Don Suntel. He's bringing another suicide Lincoln. He was the first guy to ever win in something that wasn't a wagon. Uh, he won last year in a suicide, and he's going to try and come back this year and repeat. The other big group I draw attention to is there's a big group led up by Troy Tagliaboshi out of California. And Troy uh, and his whole group from California brought a ton of people out. They got a lot of sponsors to make it happen. Those guys will probably have about $6,000 in travel expenses alone just to get here to Mayhem. But wow. Troy Tagliaboshi and his son are coming out from California with a huge group. And the California drives drive hard with, with neat old 58 and 62 Lincolns and some neat, neat cars that they're going to bring you that you won't see at your normal county fairs. 
this is not your standard demolition derby because there are people out there who are spending just gross amounts of money on the derby out there. Uh, I know you had mentioned that there was one group that spent $250,000 just last year on the Derby alone, and these cars are going to be at the Metal Mayhem performing. Yeah, I would say that the average of these cars out here is between ten dollars and $15,000 of equipment in the cars, and most of the cars out there on the track are going to be of the $1,000 variety just for the shell. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's it's a lot of that equipment's reusable but it's real easy to add up a $3,000 and a $5,000 motor and, and hit that $15,000 mark by the time you add in tranny cooler, gas pedals, and you, you name it. These guys have a lot of money. Two, $300 in a single tire is, is nothing to spend. So it's, it's, you're going to watch guys out there with $15,000 in a car to win 10000 but most of them are there just to put on a show for the fans. Yeah. Uh, it's a special kind of love. Well, Tori, thank you very much for your time. Uh, once again, Metal Mayhem, the world's largest demolition derby event, taking place June 8th, 9th, and 10th in Pecatonica, Illinois, just outside Rockford. Yes, and just just west of Rockford off of uh, Highway 20. It's actually on Pecatonica Road. If you need directions, you can go to derbyicons.com for information. And, uh, Tori, thanks for your time. And, as always, thank you for listening. For Chris Newmer and Steve Gersky Jr., go Gersky, go home, or go home with Gersky. I'm John Sensimer. We hope you enjoyed our podcast, and thank you for listening. Behind the Destruction would like to thank our producer, Maura Share and Kosher Studios, located in Woodridge, Illinois. Visit them on the web at koshersounds.com. For previous episodes of Behind the Destruction, the latest Demolition Derby news, and columns, you may visit us at behindthedestruction.com.